Welcome to Root Words, a podcast that explores agriculture and cooking's role in connecting us to our landscape and our communities. I'm Stephen Abatel. Root Words is a collaboration between Vermont Farmers Food Center, Shrewsbury Agricultural Education and Arts Foundation, and many other community members. The project began in 2017 and was made possible by support from the National Endowment for the Humanities, as well as from this community. Throughout this podcast, you're going to be hearing stories from people around the Rutland County region in the heart of Vermont, a region rich in agriculture, family farms, a region that's a pastoral working landscape. These stories are going to be each little windows into what a regional food system really looks like on the community level. We're excited to introduce you to some passionate folks working with the land and with food and bringing communities together. So please pull up a chair and enjoy. About a quarter of children in Vermont have faced food insecurity over the course of the pandemic, but it's estimated that one in 10 Vermonters were already dealing with food insecurity before the pandemic. A patchwork of agencies and organizations work to blunt the most severe outcomes of inequity in the food system, disproportionately felt by BIPOC Vermonters and women and children. On this episode of Root Words, we'll connect with Jolene Durfee. Uh, so my name is Jolene Durfee. I am the director of the Food Access and Education Program for the Parent Child Center of Rutland County. And we'll hear how she works to bring joy and empowerment into the community. But first, we'll check in with Keely Agin of Hunger Free Vermont. My name is Keely Agin, and I am a child nutrition specialist at Hunger Free Vermont, and my area of focus is specifically early childhood nutrition. Hunger Free Vermont is a anti-hunger organization, um, and it started off as um, the fight against childhood hunger, specifically focusing on on children and, and food access in Vermont for children, and it's really expanded to reach the whole state and every age group. Um, And we work with uh, programs such as Three Squares Vermont and WIC, and we um, help to leverage different flexibilities within those programs and connect people to those programs. Um, And the child nutrition team, which I am on at Hunger Free Vermont, focuses specifically on um, child nutrition programs. So things like the national school lunch and breakfast programs that you see at public schools, um, the child and adult care food program. And so we don't administer those programs. What we do is we work with the state pro- the state um, agencies like the Agency of Education to make sure that we are able to support um, folks being able to leverage these programs and, and expand food access to children and um, people of all ages around Vermont. Can you, could you paint for us... Um the food security landscape generally for Vermonters uh, and and who is is the most at risk? Pre-pandemic, we were seeing rates of about one in 10 Vermonters experiencing food insecurity um, and food insecurity, meaning that they're not able to always have access to the foods that they want and need. Um, and that is still, you know, a pretty prevalent number and, and a reason why we have been working so hard pre-pandemic to connect folks to food um, access around the state. 
obviously the pandemic has really affected food security. Um, and our friends over at UVM have been doing a longitudinal food and security study where we've realized that about 30% of the respondents from that survey had experienced food security at least at one point during the pandemic. And populations that were disproportionately affected by hunger during the pandemic and outside of the pandemic um, are uh, BIPOC populations, Black and Indigenous people of color, and uh, women, and also families with, with children, especially families with young children. They were disproportionately affected by food security uh, insecurity during the pandemic and also outside of the pandemic. Can you speak a little bit to the psychological and health aspects of hunger uh, in children specifically? Focusing specifically on early childhood, we know that there's so much development happening, um, you know, from the ages of zero to five. And, and there's so much happening in terms of physical development, but also psychological development and not having access to food can really affect um, a child's ability to physically develop or their ability to form relationships. And, and it really can be detrimental to their entire lives if a child in those early stages of development is not able to have access to food, but also proper nutrition. And so that's why programs like the Child and Adult Care Food Program um, are so incredibly important because it ensures that children in early childhood settings are able to access proper nutrition and, and get all of the nutrients that they need to develop and learn um, and grow. Why uh, why are folks food insecure? Like who who is food insecure in Vermont and why are, are folks food insecure? Totally. There are a lot of different reasons why folks may be experiencing food insecurity um, in the Rutland area and more rural areas like the Northeast Kingdom, one of the really big factors of food insecurity is lack of transportation um, to a food source. So we're, you know, there are people who are unable to get to or are not close enough to grocery stores um, or areas where there are food, where there's food access. And so people aren't able to access the food in general um, physically. Uh, since the pandemic, many people have lost their jobs. And so while they're facing homelessness, that's another really huge impact in Vermont. They're facing homelessness and they're also facing um, a lack of food for the first time in their lives sometimes. You know, at the beginning of the pandemic, 211 reported um, receiving a lot of calls from people who were first time food insecure and had no idea where they were able, where food resources were. Um, and other factors like childcare, you know, childcare, there's a huge childcare crisis in, in our state right now, but also pre-pandemic. Um, and people are unable to go to work or return to work because the cost of childcare is so expensive. And so they're unable to have dual income households. And that leads to um, food insecurity as well. So I think I met you, Keely, uh, on the Hunger Council meetings. Um, what what is the Hunger Council, and and what what are the what are the goals and successes of the Hunger Council? As we know, Vermont has a very unique landscape where um, our different counties and different regions experience different barriers to food access. Like I said before, 
you know, a more rural area like the greater Rutland County is going to have different barriers um, to accessing food than folks in Chittenden County, where they're it's a little bit more densely populated and there are different programs available. Um, and so Hunger Free Vermont worked really hard to establish hunger councils, 10 hunger councils all around Vermont in all the different counties and regions to make sure that we were connecting with local and regional experts and, and advocates. The hunger councils were able to so quickly mobilize and work together. They're made up of so many different folks from people who work at 211, state agencies, um, food bank, like there is such a variety of people on those calls who work together to talk about what they're experiencing within their own organizations and what supports they need from the people on these calls to make sure that they're making the best impact, that they're not duplicating efforts. Um, and it's been a real eye-opener for us to be able to know exactly what's happening and what's needed in all of the regions around Vermont. SAGE and VFFC are both members of Rutland County's Hunger Council, and I've met many hardworking folks making positive change in the community at the monthly meetings. Jolene Durfee is one of these folks, and she invited me to visit the Rutland Parent-Child Center's drive-up pantry to learn about their role in the community. Um, so originally this started as a really small program uh, that was kind of just out of the basement of our main office. We would have participants who were already a part of other programs come inside and they would just go kind of grocery shopping and, you know, they'd take what they need and be on their way. Um, but we saw that there was a really large gap um, that people were, were missing in the services that we were being able to provide. We had a lot more people who were asking for help with food insecurity issues. Um, and then of course the pandemic hit and we had to really take a look at how we were serving people in a safe way. Um, so now we have this really large tent um, that people kind of just drive up to and we try and still maintain people's dignity and integrity by allowing them to continue to grocery shop for themselves. So we have things that are pre-made, but we also really encourage people to ask for, what else do you guys have? And can I have extra of this? And we give them a list of the produce that we have every week and all of the household goods and what is it that you guys need? And it gives them a chance to shop for themselves and it also gives us a chance to see what we're missing um, as far as what needs we're meeting here in the distribution tent and see whether or not we can kind of cover that gap. Right now we're in one of our two distribution tents. We have a distribution tent here at our main office in Rutland and we actually have another distribution tent at our ECE site in Brandon. So we have two of these going. What we do at the tent is we try and make sure that we're meeting as many food insecurity needs as possible and that looks differently for a lot of households. So we have shelf-stable food items that we offer on a weekly basis, but we also try and offer a whole bunch of other items. So we have free menstrual products, diapers and wipes, seasonal produce, frozen meats, dairy items, household goods. It kind of like runs the whole gamut, depending on what our network partners have available and what funding we are currently utilizing and trying to meet those needs as well. So, for example, this summer we got a lot of uh, 
grant funds that were geared towards fresh food, um, agricultural items that were raised directly in Vermont by Vermont businesses. So we had a ton of fresh Vermont produce. We had uh, local Vermont raised beef and pork and chicken. And it's something that we've seen a lot of participants get really excited about because they want to be a part of the community in a lot of different ways. So being able to have a conversation with people who are coming through about where their food is coming from. Oh, that's my neighbor. I drive past that farm every week. You know, those kinds of things. It really helps us to create a relationship with everybody that's coming through. So it stops being a transaction and becomes a bond and a support in the community that people can rely on. You know, there are a lot of pantries that are out there and I love that. I think that it's fantastic. I think that the more the merrier. But we don't want to just feed everybody in Rutland. We want to connect with people. We want to make sure that people are leaving us and feeling like we participated in their journey in a really meaningful way and helped push them forward. One of the things that we constantly say at RCPCC is we are moving to remove the barriers that perpetuate poverty. And food insecurity is a big one, but also not having someone you can reach out to, not having a safe space where you can communicate your problems, that's a huge barrier. And a lot of people who come through here have been told no by a lot of other programs. We serve people who are on the cliff of poverty we serve people who don't qualify for any other means um, of assistance because they make quote unquote too much and they're still living paycheck to paycheck and they're still one disaster away from jeez and crow what am i gonna do to pay for all of this so you know we want to we want to see where those gaps are and see how we can help them as an agency not just as an individual program. We wanna see how we can help them here at RCPCC. We wanna see how we can help them in Rutland County. You know, maybe I don't have the answer, but I bet you I know somebody that does. Rutland County Parent Child Center is an organization that provides wraparound family services. And what I mean by that is we aren't just focused on little kids. We're not just focused on, you know, moms and dads. We want to make sure that the whole family's needs are being met. So that means we have things like early childhood education. Um, it's a Montessori based, uh, very strategically uh, taught classrooms. Uh, we have classes for, parent or for parents um, that I also teach. Um, we have food insecurity we're addressing, child integrated services. Um, we provide all kinds of family support. And we're also constantly reaching out to the community and trying to find what else they're asking for. Um, you know, we all belong to a number of different councils Hunger Free Vermont, um, 
so yeah, this is kind of just where all of the magic happens. This is where we unload all of our giant orders from the Vermont Food Bank, who is a huge network partner of ours, um, and who we also receive a lot of funding through, which is amazing, and we're incredibly grateful for their partnership. Um, and we bag everything up and get all of our materials. We do educational materials. so how to store certain food items, how to prepare certain food items. Um, because we don't want to just provide food to people, we recognize that sometimes it's not just obtaining food, which is the difficult part. Okay, thanks, I've got all this great seasonal produce. What the heck do you want me to do with it? I don't know what kale is for other than my rabbits. Um, so we give people education on um, how to store, how to cook, um, and not just in general, but also with the means that they have available. So we have a lot of people uh, who come through our doors who are struggling with housing. So what can I give you that you can cook with the housing that you have available? You know, if you don't have a full-size stove, then I'm not going to give you two butternut squashes and send you on your day. So it's about meeting people where their needs are at, which is something that we try and do in all of our programs. There's no... There's no person in the city who doesn't need to eat, and there's no person in this city who's gonna experience food insecurity the same way. Um, so we serve uh, anybody in Rutland County. There are no economic qualifiers for our program. You don't have to, uh, you don't have to qualify in any way other than be a person who lives here because everybody who lives here needs to eat. Anybody can come, anybody can sign up. You know, it sounds super cheesy, but I think that being able to share a meal with a family in any capacity is a really great way to create a lasting bond. Um, it's something that we integrate in a lot of our programs. We do it in our parenting classes. We really focus on uh, food awareness within all of our early childhood education programs and our alternative high school program as well. Um, it's something that we do together as staff. You know, we have lunches on a regular basis just to make sure that we're all getting a chance to connect. And so to be able to connect with so many people in Rutland County like that, I was actually just going over the data um, for the end of the year and looking back and seeing all the different people from all over the county, not just Rutland City, but you know, Fairhaven, Wells, Wallingford, North Clarendon, Shrewsbury, um, all these people that have made the journey to come here and let me be a part of that. I think it's really beautiful. I grew up in Rutland City. Um, my family was pretty poor um, and my mother is biracial and we grew up in a really white neighborhood. So we faced a lot of just really atypical obstacles, I think, for the area that I was in. Um, you know, we lived in Menden for a long period of time and we were the poor kids. We were the poor kids that weren't white. We were the poor kids that were from Florida and, you know, they were like, mm, you don't belong here. And so when we did move up to Vermont, I think I was five years old or something like that, you know, it was already kind of colored what our experience here was going to be like um, in kind of a negative way. 
because we weren't the same as everybody else. Our family didn't look like the rest of the kids in the neighborhood. Um, when we moved to Rutland City proper, we continued to struggle with poverty. Uh, my parents worked very hard, um, but you know, it's pretty, it's pretty typical of what you see in a lot of families even today, where you have two parents that both work and they are either underemployed or underpaid or undereducated. And, you know, it's hard to keep up with all of those bills. So we often didn't have access to quality food. We often didn't have access to enough food. Um, when we did have food, I certainly didn't know how to cook it. <laughs> um, I think I started purchasing groceries for my family so we would have enough when I was about 14. And even then it would be something like, mm, well, we're gonna have cereal for the rest of the week because I'm not gonna learn how to cook anything for another 10 years. And then when I do, it's gonna be really unhealthy stuff and I'm going to eat all of it immediately because I'm afraid that I won't have access to it anymore. Um, so now as an adult, I've gone through this kind of journey of self-exploration and trying to figure out why it was that I was viewing food as this uncertain item that had this magical power over me that I didn't know whether I was ever going to get it or not. So I'm really excited to be learning more about nutrition and the effect that food has on my body, the effect that it has on my mental health, not just for myself, but for my peers, for the people that I serve, for my own son, because I want to make sure that I have enough knowledge so that the people who are closest to me can benefit from that in a way that leaves them feeling happy and healthy and secure so they don't have to struggle through those same instances. We can see where those barriers are now and stop them before they become a lifetime habit. Um, you know, it's really difficult to unlearn behaviors as an adult. So I would much rather do my best now to help those people who are struggling, to help those children who are struggling with these kinds of issues and make it something that they just learn the right way the first time. You mentioned earlier, um, you mentioned the food bank. Um, could you speak a little bit about your relationship with the food bank and maybe a couple of uh, other important like partners that you have in the work that you do? Our partnership with the Vermont Food Bank really allows us to stock the majority of what it is that we are distributing. Um, most of our shelf-stable food items come through there. We gain access to a lot of uh, kind of cool produce sometimes, um, our household goods. Um, all of our partners through the Vermont Food Bank, Kimberly Williams, Joe Dowsher, they've all been extremely helpful in helping us to um, identify where we might be able to gain more potential grant funding um, through grants that they have available through the food bank. Um, and all their staff really go above and beyond in making sure that we have access to what it is that we need. We've also formed a lot of really awesome uh, partnerships with local farms. Um, Stillwater Farm, 
Otter Point Farm, and even just recently we've been partnering with Evening Song Farm to provide not just the pantry, but also our early childhood education sites and our alternative high school classrooms with fresh, local, you know, Vermont-raised foods. And it's been this really amazing assortment of food. So our partnership with the food bank is great because it makes sure that we have a consistent basis to work off of. So whenever we get these additional funds to work with these other local partners, it means that we can kind of just sprinkle this extra magic stuff on top. So, you know, you know that you're still gonna have all of your basic needs met because we have this strong base built, but then depending on where else we are getting our funding from, we might have access to so many more amazing items um, that you probably wouldn't be able to get. Uh, we had daikon radishes and microgreens and <laughs> just all these like really cool um, produce items that a lot of people don't know what they are, that they exist, how to eat them, um, <laughs> where they come from, or that you could even grow them in Vermont. So it's been really neat. And one of my favorite things is meeting local farmers and being able to create a lasting relationship. It's great for them because they get more exposure in the community. They're making sure that their crops are, you know, being consumed in a really great positive way. They're excited to be a part of the, the pantry distribution and excited to be feeding local children. Um, and we're really excited because we are gaining access to foods that we might not otherwise be able to provide for people. And we're being able to expand everybody's kind of like food literacy um, by showing them what else is out there and by letting them know that these farms and these these community members exist. I think that there are a lot of people that I see come through our organization who are really beaten down by what this system looks like for most families. I think that the process for asking for help and I think that the qualifications that are present for some of these programs are not accurate and not even remotely closely reflecting what people are currently dealing with financially in their lives. Um, I think that oftentimes organizations or authorities want to gloss over and kind of just generalize what this looks like for everyone and penalize people for a few individuals who seem to be abusing a system when in reality they might just only be using a system in the only way they've ever been taught. Poverty is cyclical. Poverty is generational. Poverty is not something that people are choosing. People are not choosing to not have access to food. 
RCPCC wants to move families up. We want to move families forward. We don't want to continue to perpetuate people in the same pattern, in the same direction they are already headed in without concrete supports, without assistance. It isn't just people who have nothing. A lot of people have what some agencies would qualify as enough, and it isn't. It isn't by a long shot. You can be on the cliff of poverty and look like you're doing fantastic on a piece of paper. What I think is most important for people to know um, about food insecurity for, for families and children is that it looks different for every family and it isn't cut and dry. It isn't something that you are always able to see. Um, and it isn't even something that a lot of families realize they are struggling with. Um, I have heard a lot of people come through, participants come through and tell me, I don't want to take anything from somebody who needs it more. And it's such a, a constant point of view that I hear resonated throughout the community. And what I keep telling everyone is, one, the more people I serve, the more people I'm able to serve. Um, you know, the higher the need I can, I can claim, the, the more access to resources I can, I can ask for. Um, but also, nobody's needs are greater than yours their needs are just different. Maybe they don't have food and you do. Maybe you need to save money on food so you can purchase something else. Um, maybe you just need access to produce. Maybe you just need access to household goods. Maybe you just need somebody to tell you what to do with the food that you have or to know that you have a backup plan. Um, it isn't the same no matter what house you go into. So if you are listening mm -hmm. and you are somebody that um, might be in a position where you are potentially for the first time experiencing food insecurity, what would you want to say to those folks? I would say to please call me. Um, you can reach me anytime between nine and five at 802-779-6406. You can leave me a voicemail. Um, you can call RCPCC at 802-775-9711. You can leave a message with them. It'll go directly back to me. I promise I'm super nice. Even if I don't have access to the means to feed you today, I'm gonna find a way for you to get your needs met. And I think that that's something that we all strive to do here at the agency. It can be a really undignified process, getting food from a pantry. Um, and I think that anybody who's ever struggled with food insecurity or who has been in human services for an extended period of time has probably seen what that process looks like when dignity isn't in the forefront of people's minds. Um, when people come through our distribution tents, 
we encourage them to voice their opinions. We encourage them to interact with us as community members. We encourage them to pick and choose what it is that they want to eat that week. Um, ask if we've got, you know, quote unquote, anything in the back. Um, because we want it to feel like they're shopping. We want it to feel like they have power over that portion of their lives. We don't want to make anyone feel less than because they're participating in a program that we're encouraging them to utilize. This is a resource. We are a concrete support for these people in a time of need. And we can't be that if we aren't treating them with dignity. I want it to be a source of joy for them. I want it to be an interaction that people look forward to. And a lot of people do. It's not a transaction. It's a relationship. It's going to your local store. We're just a tent instead. What I would love to see and what we're envisioning is a place for the community to come together, to share a meal, to cook a meal, to eat with their children who are already involved in our programs or to learn about what our programs are. In the future, when we're able to come back together to that place and to share more education on what food literacy looks like, being able to physically show and share with people how to prepare everything, how to cook with their children, how to involve everybody in the family in the process of purchasing, growing, foraging. Um, I think it's gonna become something really amazing. I think that right now people are gaining a sense of community, they're gaining a sense of independence, they're gaining a sense of security. Um, and I think that it's going to grow into more than I can even imagine beyond that. Passionate folks like Jolene are working around the state to balance some of the inequities of the food system while honoring folks' innate dignity. There's a lot of work to do to create a more just food system, and we'll continue to share stories of the folks reimagining the food system here on Root Words. This episode was produced by Stephen Abatel. Special thanks to Keely Agin, Jolene Durfee, and Rutland's Parent-Child Center. To learn more about the Parent-Child Center of Rutland County's programs or what you can do to get involved, visit www.rcpc.org. If you're interested in joining your county's Hunger Council, visit www.hungerfreevt.org. Our musical themes are by the Salt Ash Serenaders. We are a project of the Vermont Farmers Food Center and SAGE. Thank you all for listening and for being a part of our local food system. We'll catch you next time on Root Words.